Wired for Winning. Celebrating the extraordinary minds of those with ADHD. So I know I really enjoyed the podcast between you and Andy. The conversation is a great record, Lorna. It's fantastic. He's got so many brilliant stories. Like he's, um, I'm okay. Uh, I overcompensate. See, I get anxious about being late. Me too. Yeah. Same, same So problem. I would yeah. be like, oh, I'm up now. Then, then there's the torment of waiting. Uh, or when you can't do anything between that because you don't, you don't want to get lost in it. That's it. And if I'm a, the real reasons I'm late most of the time is because I've just gone down a hyper focus. A, a rabbit hole. And then I've missed all my notifications. Yeah. I've literally lost time. That's it. And that's then, the one. And that's, really... that's exactly yeah. the problem I have. Like, I can't sleep before a flight. You know? No. Same I thing. can't. I get nervous because I've missed up my flight from being an idiot. <laughs> I, I, I would miss the birth of a kid. I would have the wrong airport. <laughs> For a flight. Yeah. And yeah. have you forgot your passport going oh, on? Oh, well, yeah, I've got, I've got my passport a couple of times. Like, li- li- the last time like, I was telling you that my COVID was like, yeah, mate, listen, you need to relax, you've got a harsh time. Is that? I, I missed my initial flight, I managed to get my flight to the States, which was fine. So it's just one of those, yeah. you know, typical ADHD adventures. Um, I do. Yeah, just thinks you're fucking blizzard. <laughs> Shit, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, God, I'm hoping this is going to work. And I hope we've got the sound as well. So I think we have. So we should be good. You've got fantastic picture you have, which is good. I haven't. So, right. okay. Right. Are you ready? Uh, I suppose. Yeah, why not? Right. Okay. <laughs> so, do you want to do a quick into the. Okay. So here we are. Okay. What I do discuss it. Right. for winning <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much okay so i'm delighted to have alan Keane from uh, hot rock films actually uh alan is also in the uh media entertainment and uh, creativity industry i would say uh and uh, a friend of uh, andrew kavanagh and uh, also has adhd but again the purpose of the why for winning podcast is we don't talk about the negative stuff. We talk about the success in our lives. Yeah. Now, that may lead us down a rabbit hole of bad things and how we overcame them. Yeah. Um, but like myself, you were kind of diagnosed a little bit later in life as well. If I'm Very late. Late. Very late. Um, it's funny enough, it's Andrew who initially kind of diagnosed me. Was it? We were in the middle of a script meeting for a TV series he's developing. And I think he kind of picked up on my kind of, I have a habit of interrupting. And I know this. Um, it's not because I want to steamroll people. It's sometimes when a thought occurs to me, if I don't spurt it out in that moment, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so sometimes it's a case of like, oh, like that thought, I better get it out now or it's gone and, and, and I'll be tormented by it. Um, but anyways, I, I think I had been particularly ADHD in this meeting. I didn't know at the time. And he said, oh, do you know, I think you might have ADHD. And I went, oh, really? And so I went off afterwards. I mean, at the time, my, my business partner, at the time, Shane was also working on the same project, um, and he got diagnosed for ADHD not too long beforehand. Um, okay, as well. So I kind of ha- it was appearing on my horizon, um, and I do think a lot of ADHD people are kind of drawn to each other. I think we have a certain sort of fragmentic, frenetic, pacey energy. Um, I think we all know we're weird secretly. We don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> we all go, yeah, we're not, we're not like everybody else. Yeah, um, which can you know, as a teenager. It can make you uh, can make you kind of insecure, I suppose. I make you just that sense of not being like everyone else gives a kind of a creeping feeling, which can be a, a good or a bad thing. But you know, on electric some devices, it can be a bad. Thing. It can be a bad thing, and, yeah. and spiral down. Absolutely, exactly. yeah. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, anyway, well, I digress, didn't I? <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's going to be a lot of this. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I then went down a big wormhole and very quickly, so many of the things that I suppose I had struggled with, because essentially it's ADHD is a diagnosis. It's like a what's wrong with you question rather than a what's right with you question. Mm -hmm. So they present you all the things that are what's wrong with you, even though like, that's only half the picture. <laughs> uh, and my God, the boxes, uh, it was it was like it, immediately it was a, a massive relief, I suppose, because it explained a lot of things, I suppose, that I compartmentalized, wanted to forget about or just hadn't faced up to uh, about myself. So we just got habits, feelings, I mean, essentially the, 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 the negative stuff. Yeah, the negative yeah. stuff is essentially only one half of, of, of the picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'd always, this is the thing, I suppose I wasn't a textbook case because while I was hyperactive, I was able to to focus very well as a kid. I was able to hyper-focus on everything. Like, I was interested in everything. And, yeah. uh, and I think if you're not, this is the thing, it's an interest-led mind. I mean, we don't do boring well. Yeah. Boring is horrible. It's tormented. Yeah. Uh, time slows down. Um, we get fidgety, we get incredibly uncomfortable, and yeah, so that's the unpleasant side effect of, should we say, an always fulfilled ADHD mind. I was quite lucky in the sense that I was into art and reading, I was incredibly enthusiastic. I just had this massive open mind about learning. Everything. Every, 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 every single thing. I mean, there was obviously, as you get older, the stuff you go, like, boring. <laughs> like, anybody. <laughs> Sorry, accountant. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, no. Yeah, thank God we had you, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I, I, it was a revelation, I suppose. Um, and like any good ADHD person, you find something that interests you, yeah. you cram it into your brain. <laughs> you become obsessed with it. And, you know, my wife would always say that, oh, what's the latest thing? The latest obsession, isn't it? Like, no, it's not. Yeah, so we just get you on there and um, there's a button on top, actually. Do you want me just yeah, to switch off? Yeah, sorry, yeah. Second. No, 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 it's my fault. It's my fault completely. Let me get you switched on. You got that on the... I, I got that one. Yeah, right, okay. So there we go. Yeah, good there. So, uh, so it was your wife. So Andrew Andrew mentioned it to you. Yeah. It was your wife. Uh, no, I, I went off and did research and then I kind of declared it to my wife. I said, do you know all these things that really annoy you? I was going to say, do you mind me asking about that yeah. a little bit? Mm -hmm. So I, I was saying before, my wife gave me a book called Is It You or Me or Adult ADHD? Yeah. And said, those things you do, read this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> What was the, what was it for your... Well, I frame, I kind of, I'm quite sort of pejorative. I like to kind of make fun of things. I and mean, it, it's, it's kind of prostrating yourself, basically coming in. You know what's really annoying? <laughs> it's, you become sort of more, I suppose, affable if you kind of put yourself... Yeah. Um, no, she's great. I mean, she's incredibly supportive. Um, uh, and I was married beforehand. And again, a lot of, I think, the issues in my marriage, some of it would have stemmed from uh, a complex kind of smorgasbord of issues that comes from being an ADHD person. I think so. Um and it's not just sort of the, the focus, the the distractibility. There's also the emotionality, the emotional. But we're we're very. Uh, it sounds incredibly self-indulgent and, and narcissistic, but we we I do believe we feel things incredibly deeply because our mind ruminates at such a pace that I think we think three times as much, uh, three times about so many different more primitive permutations of every single uh, situation you encounter. So we can kind of think ourselves into a rut. Or we can get ourselves so hyped up about something exciting. <laughs> so, like the pendulum swings on both sides. It, it kind of does, and it's very interesting actually. Um, a very good friend of mine, Peter Shankman, who wrote, who has a podcast called uh, "Faster Than Normal," 
I don't know if you've heard of him. He lives in New York. That's interesting. And he 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 sold. Uh, he's one of these guys that built a business, sold it, and made his money, and he just is an entrepreneur now. Yeah. But he said to me when he first meets somebody, in the moment he shakes their hand, by the time he's done that three times, he has made friends with them, been their best friend. Had the biggest argument mm. there is ever, so broken up with them and moved on. <laughs> and he's done that in about three seconds. And I get that. Mm. You know, sometimes yeah. when you, you're building a report. Oh, I, I find that I have intuitions about people. And the older I've gotten, much better at listening to them. I didn't listen to them as younger. Ah, interesting. You know? Okay. Um, but I, 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 intuitions were rarely ever wrong, you know. And I'm now I'm just one of these kind of like, I make I make my mind up pretty quick, <laughs> and most of the time, if anything, as a as a heuristic, a shortcut to behaviour, it's been it's been liberating. And mm. really, I kind of I, I I trust my gut a lot more, you know. Whereas before, I suppose there's the also the people pleasing part of ADHD, where uh, we get dopamine for making people happy. Yeah. Um. And yeah, again, like you know, when we can't make a decision, we can be decisive about things because again, we have to. Think mm. every permutation of that. So we'll just go along and say yes to people, and that can be again quite a an unhelpful behaviour because if you know it's a brilliant word, it's powerful, yeah. and no is your power. You know, yeah. just as much as yes is. Yeah. You know, no is like I don't want to do that. Um, so the people, yeah. So there's all these other elements of my personality which I think I suppose I struggled with uh, to a certain extent, but at the same time, you know, what makes me me is not just things I struggle with; it's the things that I think, uh, like my, I think the reason I'm good at what I do is because I um, have an enormous appetite for information, yeah. um, and uh, I love problem solving. Um, I like, uh, I'm, I'm being a creative. Obviously, the power of imagination and ideas, and you know, huge. And stories. It's fascinating. I mean, human beings are just big story machines. Yeah. Um, everything makes sense of the chaos that is reality. Um, and it is chaos by telling us stories that comfort us and uh, allow us to make sense of the fact that, you know, in a world where we think we have control over everything, you can walk out across the street and get hit by a bus tomorrow. In that split second. Exactly. Is the, are the stories that you tell in your work, because I think storytelling is one of the most powerful things mm. on the planet. You know, when we go back to around the campfire days, mm. there's Neanderthals, okay. storytelling, you know, Robin Hood in the forest, forest and all that good stuff. You know, it, the stories that you tell, where do they come from? Are they a reflection of a, a, a key message that you want to get out about you? Or is it your mm. environment, your background? What, what is that? Well, you can't help but tell stories that... They filter through the lens of you, mm. so your own kind of experience and notions and concepts. I mean, I do an awful lot of comedy. Um, the vast bulk of what I do is comedy, so sometimes it is like sometimes I'm just writing jokes within a remit for a show. Okay. Sort of creation. Sometimes I'm creating the show. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, yeah, you know, sometimes you're filtering through. This is the this is the show. It already exists. You can't just come in and change the voice of the show or the tone of the show. Uh, so you try and fit within that, but you, ultimately it is you that's filtering. Mm. So eventually you're going to. Be drawn to conflicts and ideas and characters and stories and events uh, that interest you. Mm. So guess what? If it doesn't interest us, we're useless then. Exactly. Yeah. We're useless then. It becomes insincere. Um, yeah. So um, definitely, it, it does come from you. It depends. Like I said, I'm very much a kind of a, a gun for hire um, in the sense that people come to me with their problems and I go, I like it when I do it, or I don't like it and I pass on it. Or, you know, early on, you're like, I'll just take anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but you try, you, you go with your, your best intentions and you try and, and put your own stamp on it and, and take maybe 
what's the, not the best idea and turn it into a great idea. And I've done that a lot. I mean, I've done that with, with you know, a lot of success. I also worked on shows that were just already existed. Absolutely brilliant, like award-winning and winning shows. And we mm-hmm. kind of, you have to slip in and get on board. Um, so comedy uh, is not necessarily just the same as storytelling. So comedy is like taking something, folding something amusing, ironic, um, or, you know, you're always trying to find that kind of giggle reaction in your gut. So your brain will kind of take a scenario and go, yeah, right. You kind of almost hover around mm. uh, intellectually until you find a thread of something that is absurd or funny. Sometimes it literally just pops out at you. Go, oh, I've got a really good joke. Yeah, there's a kind of that. a spin on a frame. A exactly, it's like, like yeah. play on words, or it could be something exceptional, or it's finding the deep irony, or hypocrisy, or the uh, the absurdity in something. Um, and yeah, and then sort of executing it, um, or writing it at least. I mean, the writing isn't necessarily executing it. No, as you find out. Yeah, you hand over a script, then it goes on to a or in animation, for example, as a storyboard artist, and they then have to kind of adapt and translate. And sometimes that can be great. It can elevate what you've done. And other times you're like, you've completely missed. <laughs> you completely missed the thing. Yeah. J- Jimmy Carr was interviewed recently and he was saying he w- he's writing a course on comedy. Mm. I-, I don't know if you've come across this already or not, but he was saying he would love comedy to be a subject at school. Right. I think it, comedy is wonderful because I think it, it allows you to take an intellectual step back from something and then observe it outside of itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, comedy is fantastic, I think, for uh, uh, polemic and satire. And, um, you know, while I, I don't think comedy has, you know, ever really changed the world politically, I think some of the best art being made uh, about the world we're in, it comes from the mouths of comedians because they're truth tellers. They're the ones that go, OK, this is how you see something. But how about you look at it from this point of view? And you go, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's mm-hmm. absolutely bloody Partly hilarious. Partly yeah. absurd. Yeah. Aren't we- Stupid yeah. little monkeys, yeah, with complete delusions of grandeur. Yeah, yeah, you are, but then you slip into your skin again, and you're there taking yeah. yourself seriously. That's <laughs> interesting. And yet, Zelensky was a comedy. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was in. I think he's then. probably the only exception, and I don't know what the ending of that story is going to turn out. Not yet. Anything <laughs> no, but we'll. Well, we've got some thoughts. Actually. We've all got thoughts. Very, very consensus thoughts. But yeah. Uh, so, tell me, you, you, you. you Oh, clearly, your ADHD help, helps you tell stories, mm. see the satire, see mm. the irony. Mm. That point in time where you were formally diagnosed, mm. did you did you immediately, you had a revelation, mm. it was great, it answered the questions about behaviours from the past. Mm. Did you immediately go on to meds or did you have a, yeah. a thought process behind well, that? I kind of figured this isn't about acknowledging that there's something wrong with me, even though I did frame that for people. Because they're going, yeah, <laughs> it is. And I'm like, I'm not missing that. Um, <laughs> I might admit it for a joke, but I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. it. It's, I'm yeah. just um, I'm not on my own. That's the thing. There's legions of us. Uh, and I think the great zeitgeist of the moment has actually recognized how commonplace it is. I think it's probably like, I'd say easily more than one in 10. But again, it's very, really varies. I mean, I, I remember going to Reddit, some Reddit for, for ADHD and ADHD medications because I like to gather information. Just out of interest. I mean, I have a degree in psychology. Okay. I've always been um, very interested in the human mind. Again, like I'm just, if I'm an information machine, yeah. I will just keep on consuming yeah. as long as it's interesting. Yeah. You know, and if it's not, then <laughs> don't show it to me. Yeah, exactly. don't, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, just seeing the level of some of the people who'd be talking about their experience, I'm like, oh, I feel very lucky that my 
ADHD. It hasn't gotten in the way with me being able to hold down a good job. I mean, I've struggled with things. I found a, I found a career that suited my strengths, which was good. I mean, if I put, if you put me into something like uh, um, you know, big top five accounting firm, I'd I'd have to hold thing bankrupt. You know, I'd be like Nick Gleason in shares. <laughs> um, so I'd be the wrong person for that job. You yeah. know, um, yeah. and I'd be miserable because of it. And I think um, it's it's it, this is the good thing about people getting a diagnosis early. It's like, oh, well, here's who you are. These are the kind of things that likely suit your strengths, and therefore you you. you Going after those things can flourish, and if you're lucky enough, you can delegate all the crap that you. Well, that's. <laughs> I think that's what happens when people become uber successful. The the the, the major entrepreneurs of the world, mm. you know, the Bransons, if you like, yeah. they will go. I've the idea, but mm. that person's the best person to do this. Yeah. I'm going to get out of their way, and they're really that's good. The at thing is collaborate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I find that filmmaking and storytelling. Um, you know, in terms of media, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't write my own books. Those things are, I mean, like, I'm jealous of the fact that, that, that when they're finished, that's it. So, you know, there's no one else involved. There's no obstacles except mm. getting a published review and making a living. Yeah, yeah. Not a small one. Um, but the point is that, that you surround yourself with people who are better than you at the things that you're not good at. Yeah, and all of yeah. a sudden, you know, so then it's about maintaining a culture um, and building a Healthy culture, a healthy culture, of tribe of, of yeah, a tribe of yeah. basically people who work for each other and yeah. listen to each other and argue constructively with each other yeah. And, yeah. and realize that, that you know when this job, these kind of jobs work, they're wonderful. But they yeah. frequently don't. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're quite you, toxic and repetitive. And do you med- med- medicate every day? No, or not? No, I not. I initially I never forget the first time I took my medication, um, and it took a lot for me to. Decide to do that. I kind of come out through COVID, and I was getting to the point where, like, actually, I'm, I'm dropping away more balls than I like now. I'm like, um, timekeeping appointments. That, uh, like, I, I live and die by technology in the sense I use technology to pick up an awful lot of the stuff. You know, I, I delegate it to technology. If that starts, to, if, I, if I fail to even do that, then everything starts to really start to come up. And, uh, and you, the danger is it's a you let people down. Like I'm, I missed that video call, or I was late to something, or I completely forgot. Mm. Like literally, you know, like, how can you completely forget? Mm. You know, I've got some really good stories about me completely forgetting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'll tell this one. Um, yeah, um, I got engaged uh, to Alison. There, um, uh, we were we were, we were going to get married anyway. Before COVID happened, obviously COVID got in the way. Um, uh, um, Alison got pregnant with our second child and we just thought actually you know what we're just going to get married short notice decided to do it all we told uh my family the news about me um and Alison that had been another one on the way and they were all delighted and I was like don't tell them about the wedding yet break the news up so I didn't do that to my sisters then I did, forgot to tell them about getting married so they heard through someone else, and so they kind of they were rightly kind of pissed off. <laughs> and I was like, "Come on, I, I didn't I have a conversation about it." I'm like, "No, no, you didn't." Yeah, yeah. And then and then they were very upset, and then I heard, like, "Jesus, I didn't tell them. <laughs> I didn't tell them." And I, this is before the wedding happened. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why I haven't uh, had a proper long conversation because either in Australia at the time is is difficult at the best of times. Uh, also, it was all kind of like put together very quickly, last minute. It was right at the tail end of COVID. Um, um, but yeah, I was like, how did I not forget, you know, forget to have that significant kind of conversation about the wedding? They they weren't. Be, I think I was putting it off because also it was like they weren't going to be able to become, but to become because 
the COVID was still was restricted. Yeah, so I kind of I think it was that element of trying to put off a difficult conversation became that I didn't actually have a conversation at all. <laughs> and then I had to profusely just ram and apologize and go, actually, this I know looks looks terrible. Yeah. This is ADHD. And, yes. I, and I, I I need you to be kind of yeah. patient and passionate. Yeah. Yeah. And while I am an arsehole, <laughs> we all are. We all are. <laughs> I'm not that that was genuinely a kind of a, a situationally epic so far that yeah. was like yeah. once in a blue moon. But I get that, yeah. right? Do you ever have you ever heard of the expression ADHD people don't have a past or present and a future? Oh no, I get that. We yeah. now and not now. Yeah. This that's yeah. it, right? It's purely it's purely that. Yeah. It's purely that. Because I think we're so preoccupied in our search for the thing that will elevate our dopamine level yeah. so we can get to that state of calm. Yeah. And I find that like boredom for me is actually I, I can be quite agonizing. The idea of spending a whole day being incredibly bored, I would it's like time actually slept that the right now becomes almost a static. Kind of prison <laughs> where time goes incredibly slowly. Um, I think we experience time, I think everyone experiences time as a fluid thing, but even more so like we do. Mm. Like we we can lose, I mean, like uh, the amount of times I've been writing away at something and I and when I kind of get into the flow state, as I call it, I can lose hours. It's... I would have like a full cup of coffee that's ice cold. It's like missed lunch. Yeah. I can have a bunch of missed calls on my phone. It's like your son's at school, you're big too Jesus. That's once or twice that's not having that much. Yeah. But yeah. Um and it's really hard to explain that to people. Yeah. Like it, even to the point where um I know that I can be quite frustrating uh, where I'd be focusing on something and go, Alan, 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 you're not there. I've managed to show you. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me years ago when he came into my working, and he said he'd never seen anyone so incredibly focused and undistracted on anything and the fact that I he wasn't able to get through to me at all he said it was just quite remarkable he said he, he said that's probably why you're quite good at what you do I said yeah but that's now it's getting into that state's the hard part <laughs> you ever I was yesterday morning I was in Stalorgan there's a, a place called Drift have, have you heard no. of it? and it's one of these um pods filled with Epsom salts mm. and it's completely dark mm. You stick some air. Oh, oh yeah, the saline tank things. They're brilliant. Yeah. Have you been in? I have. I, 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 my wife got me some of those recently for a place near me. And my God, the water was salty. Yeah. It was like way too salty. Yeah, yeah. I know it has to be salty for buoyancy. For buoyancy. But I found those things incredibly good because they kind of force our, our brains find it hard to meditate because, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for the, so when we can get that kind of, it's great for our brains. Do you get calm inside one? Because I don't, I can't reach really? that meditation. No, I, I find there are methods and means that you can, but if you can't, like in that last salty one I went into, mm -hmm. it, I felt like I was in there for five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been in ones, but, but actually wouldn't have been quite so uncomfortable where like, you're even, even lying in there, you're like my skin, if I, you know, it's too much salt. If you can get salt yeah. burn, it's like salt burn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, um, I've been in ones where actually they're wonderful. I find that yeah. once I allow myself to, and again, it's like meditation is a kind of practice. It's breathing, focus on one thing, which is hard. It is. It's really focus on one thing. But shut up. Yeah. <laughs> You're already interrupting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's a conversation in your head, which is very hard to shut down. You know, I think if you're well rested. Um, and you look after yourself, it's much easier to imagine why my symptoms are worse when I don't get enough sleep or if I say hungover or um, I kind of have to start looking after my brain, particularly because my symptoms have become you know, stronger as I get older. Before you were diagnosed, hmm. right, 
Did you ever self-medicate? Oh yeah. Um, with alcohol, uh, yes. you know. I think, and this is another thing, I think we, a lot of people do, is having that restless mind. You're like, your mind can think you in and out of nice things, but like, yeah. you know, you're in a, it's sometimes like not to think, or just to at least subdue that. And yeah, I would, would have been somebody who would have had a, a few beers or a bottle of wine on most nights, probably yeah. my 20s and 30s. Um, never to the point, like, just the thing, I never was messy, I'd never got, a, I hated being, Pissed, yeah, like yeah. really hated that horrible, like the inability to form a sentence. Yeah, it was like, okay, that's too much. I don't like this. I really, right. so it was always very good. Never went, but I can see how a lot of people with, you know, ADHD, you know, it's it's a gaping chasm to fall into, particularly if you feel very uncomfortable in your skin by default. So yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it's very interesting actually how, you know, as Pink Floyd say, to get comfortably numb, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. You know that that. That that's, is that's that's what you search for after a day of your head bouncing around like a thousand ping pong balls, yeah. and you're so exhausted. And it's the thing when you're exhausted. I think most people's brains slow down and they relax and they fall asleep. I think ours become potentially more fragmented. Our thoughts become uh, harder to follow through on. So you kind of shut it up, shut it down, quieten the mind, mm. um, and they quietens the mind. And so you know we are. I mean, statistics are probably four times more likely than neurotypicals to suffer from depression, uh, depression addiction, all these things by the virtue of having a mind that doesn't know when to shut. <laughs> no, you're right. Absolutely yeah. that. Yeah. So I did a, I did these ADHD dopamine high things. I have a very understanding wife mm. and child. Monday morning, went to Dublin Airport, half past six in the morning, jumped on a flight to Edinburgh. Jumped on a train from Edinburgh to Inverness. Jumped on the sleeper down to London. Went from um, Euston to Victoria, back to Gatwick, and flew home again. Yeah. Had no purpose. Yeah, no purpose. That I'd love to be able to do that. Really? Because I there's something about the idea of adventure and change and variety, and what is novel, that I think it quietens our brain because we have something singular yeah. to focus on. I think that as much as we absolutely thrive in routine. We're kind of routine resistant. We kind of need a, um, I think it's like Andrew mentioned it on the last podcast that he did. Um, every now and then we need to TNT the crap out of that and, and do something different. And it allows us to return, I think, to our routine. Uh, You're new. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's something about having a laptop on a flight or on a train. You get lots done. You get remarkable amounts of done, stuff done in very short bursts of time. Yeah. It's all about, okay, give us the perfect circumstances where we can go into a focused state mm. that we're incredibly productive, like alarmingly so. Mm. Um, but then if, if you're distracted, then the whole day's a waste and you get very, very frustrated. Um, so it's all about kind of building the right set of circumstances. Um, you know, where we can do things like that, we can have that legacy and where we can have that little, I suppose, adventure or, um, because again, but we're, we're terrified of boredom, so we're caught between a, a rock and a hard place, this boredom and novelty, we have to find. <laughs> that that yeah. nice balance. Yeah. So, after you were diagnosed and, and is there any tools, and I'm mental mm. tools, physical tools that you do, is there a routine that you force yourself to do now, um, or do you just allow yourself to roam free? I at the moment I'm more of a roaming free. I used to have uh, my gym just shut up shop there not a few months back, and I haven't found uh, anyone. 
because uh, I don't like anything to do with this right that I liked that one. <laughs> exercise. Uh, exercise calms my mind untold. It? It, really, I, I, it elevates the dopamine, so, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, so I have a, and you get a lovely endorsement rush of it, and um, yeah, I find my mind so much, much quieter afterwards. Okay. Uh, yeah, therefore I'm able, I'm, I'm less distracted, therefore I'm able to be more productive, you know, whereas okay. if I'm sort of tired, I'm eminently much more distractible, and therefore my productivity it's much harder to get into that state where you need to be and where I, I can really, you know, uh, all or, it's a kind of an all or nothing. All or nothing. Yeah. You're satisfied by yeah. the outcome. Yeah. Is that what it is? Process as well. Okay. Process as well, but we're absolutely outcome driven. But like, you have to, if you, this is like, if you do something you love, the process is fun. But again, it's the outcomes that made the award. Yeah. Um, you know, um, where I'm a massive fan of finding sort of shortcuts and, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're always constantly looking for the quickest way to do things, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if you want yeah. to be productive, give it to the laziest person. Oh, well, exactly. Because they'll find the shortest way to get it. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's, not, it's not so much laziness, it's just that we have so little patience for waste of time. Because again, time, the moment we're bored, I think is the moment we become kind of quite agonized and irritated. irritated. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, do you find you get really irritable when oh, you find yeah. something boring? Hugely. Yeah. In fact, actually, I'm at that stage yeah. of my life. You know, <laughs> roll on death. <laughs> I now yeah. won't do it anymore. Yeah, it's a categoric, like you said earlier yeah. on, finding that word no mm. is categorically there. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to meet these mm. people because I'm not going to get anything from it. Yeah. And I know that sounds narcissistic. No, 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 I don't think it, I don't think it is. I think there's unfortunately not everything in life you can play that part of, but I think that as long as you have understanding people around you and you go, listen. I've, you know, you really don't. If you knew how I felt, you wouldn't want me to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, to, you know, yeah. it's excruciating. Well, it, yeah, it's a waste of time. Exactly. Right? Well, you God, know? it's 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 agonizing. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we can become kind of against the heightened emotionality of things. Mm-hmm. Where again, it's like you know, if you leave a regular mind in an emotion for far too long, it's you know, our minds rapid. It doesn't these in very intense pockets of space. We can get very very irritable. And very annoyed, very quickly, and it yeah. dissipates very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. You know, yeah, I know yeah. kind of my, um, the, uh, the people who love me and around me and see that. Yeah, you know, I, I can. I, uh, yeah, there's a point where my where patience snaps, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, I'm older. I'm more sure now. I know how to mask it and suppress it. Um, but yeah, yeah like, I, I, something's still... just send me. So because I, this is the thing that my wife would say. You're great at the big things, like anything serious happens, like uh, death in the family, um, tragedy, or something really critical that requires a cool, level head. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, small, niggly, pedantic, annoying things like you know, uh, I can have to be a bit like Larry David. <laughs> small things will bug me, and I will just I'll erupt. And I think it's easier to indulge yourself through the small things because these things are so, so absurd. Um, it's not like you know you're 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 causing a big fuss uh, when something really matters. You know, that's funny. Seriously, this is our, our brains are fed in crisis. Mm. You know, I think this is why I think if you look at sort of um, jobs where people are working and dealing with constant state of crisis, uh, you find there's probably higher instances of people that ADHD that keep working so that on the sort of services. Because ultimately, you know, we're great in those scenarios because our brain chemistry adjusts itself to like, where everyone else is kind of losing their mind and overwhelmed. We're like, it's like everything's like we, we can feel the world happening at that pace. You know? Yeah, I think you're right. But 
it's, it's very interesting because I often think about medication because I medicate myself as, as we talked about before. And the funny thing about it is, Alan, is there's a video out there of two people, mm -hmm. one's, one, the same person actually, one is playing a game and the other one's sitting in a classroom mm -hmm. and the, one, the, the same person who's sitting in the classroom mm -hmm. is his legs yeah, yeah, like this, it's he's like, clip, you know, like this, can't be bored and, and yet he can sit there for hours yeah. playing yeah. this game. Yeah, that, was me. that was me as a teenager. Same. Yeah. So I often wonder when we're looking at the school system, mm -hmm. right, and we say, oh, yes, listen, you know, we've got these kids in this classroom, we've got this disruptive one, because I was that, right? Yeah. Let's medicate them so that they stay still in this environment. Yeah. I think that the environment needs to be. I agree with you. I think the idea of particularly medicating, um, I know a fair bit about sort of uh, your, your uh, neurological issues and how brain develops. Um, I've studied development, development psychology as part of my um, experimental psychology degree. Uh, it's incredibly dangerous uh, to start medicating a developing brain. Mm. It really is. Uh, what it might improve the societal symptoms and behaviors of a child you that brain is it has to be allowed to develop in in a good way in, in a healthy way mm. so medic self-medicating younger kids i really serious mm. i get that in some instances of really severe adhd where you have like very destructive problematic behavior and uh, an emotional outbursts and tantrums and anger as some people are very unfortunate to, to have. i mean i wasn't one of those kids no one would ever have thought i had adhd because I, academically, I was, you know, I also I made everything a competition. <laughs> like I wanted to be the best, so um, I was able to frame the whole thing to my own interest and that thing. Where I was like, I want to be here. Um, and and, mm. and so for me, I kind of I, I aligned my interests in a way that was productive for me. And if kids can't do that, then medicating them so they're quiet is, I think it's it's really seen really. Mm. Um, I get that you know the medication is there in extreme circumstances. But I think, yeah, why do we have to change the child? Why can't we change the environment? It's be better. Yeah, so it's about having um, and finding ways of reaching the interests of that child and unlocking their potential by identifying, okay, they don't fit into a, tra a traditional neurotypical kind of educational structure. And like, that's so many problems with that the way that we currently teach anyway, um, because it really doesn't teach critical thinking. It's really teaching people to work for, for, for Companies and you know basically to be a, a, an ant in the anthill. Yeah, yeah, go um, work for Accenture. Exactly. Yeah. Creativity is kind of sidelined yeah. as an element, and creativity yeah. is actually the the greatest of human wealth. It's the thing that even in this post AI sort of world that we're 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 now in, and, and, and it's now evolving towards. It's human creativity is the one thing that, that AI will never have. It'll it'll have random creativity. It's all based on human creativity. It has to be driven by humans. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to be redundant Not so quite just yet. Not so I mean, AI can write, but it's bad. So if you're a bad writer, then it's yeah, you can be replaced. replaced. It, yeah. it, it, it's it's going to augment. I, I, mm. I, I, no, I agree. Right. I think you know the the the, the recent conference in London with the the. Elon Musk came over and mm. said, you know, we've got to pr protect it from being anti-human. Oh, no, it's I the, get that. that's, yeah. It, it, this is the thing. Everyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm against it. Or it's like, it's a tool. Yeah. It's, it's a tool it's, it's, it, Exactly. And yeah. it can be augmented for the betterment of humanity, yeah. or it can be monopolized by some yeah. techno-feudalists yeah. to make more money, yeah. which essentially is an abstract thing that doesn't really exist, by yeah. the way. Of course it might exist. It doesn't. It's an idea. It's an idea. It's a transaction. It's, transactional content it's not real. It's not a living, breathing planet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you there. Yeah. And, you know, so I think if aliens were kind of <laughs> looking at us, they go, well, 
are hopefully augmented to improve the lives of humanity, to remove the toil and the sweat, to take, um, but actually not to remove what it is to be human, which I think you said, you know, to give us purpose. And our education system right now is entirely geared to create workers for a system, for a capitalist system, which is like, you know, late stage capitalism way now. Probably not working as well as it used to be. Um, uh, in fact, it's accelerating towards like all the money going in one direction and, and uh, the, the collapse of a middle class. Yes. Um, or, it, or, or if it is utilized, and so I'm very pro uh, open source AI, if it's utilized and it can be used to change lives. And I think if people are given the choice between a bad tool, which we can all have in our hands, our phones, with our outreach factories, you know, trying to filter us into separate tribes yeah. uh, versus something that actually can improve your life. The danger is we have an addict. We all are, we, we can chase the addictive quality or we can get behind something that actually can enhance what it means to be human. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I really have to think we have to focus yeah. on that and not see that as a bad thing. It's yeah. more like look at the intention of the actors yeah. Yeah. behind it. Yeah. What are they using this for? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see where that goes over the next few years. You know, it's it's certainly an interesting thing. Back to the ADHD side of things for you. You you like me, you've functioned well in the educational system. Mm. I'm very similar to you. I have a thirst for knowledge on multiple subject levels. There's a ton of stuff I don't want to be interested in, mm. and and that's the dull yeah. stuff in my world, and that's okay. There is some people, of course. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that thirst for knowledge, um, and, and you know, you, you've outcome with a, a creative aspect to your career, if you like, and, and what you do. Does there, if you could have chosen a different path, not suggesting you would, but if you could have done, you know, and say you have a degree in psychology, was there any other area that you'd, you know, if you had your time again, that you could and would want to be involved in? As a matter of being a question. Um... I did at one point consider becoming a doctor, and then I decided maybe perhaps a psychologist. I'm glad I didn't. I mean, like uh, the psychology degree taught me one thing: it's like all this beautiful and interesting information about the evolving human knowledge of what is our mystery of our minds um, was exciting, interesting. But actually, the day-to-day job of being a working psychologist in the NHS, because I was at the University of Bristol, okay, um, was was horrible. It was like a case of you're just a dam against this wall of shit where essentially you're 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 not given the tools to help people you're literally you know you're you're the you're the finger in the dike to stop you know to stop the flood um there's not like you're not really helping people like it is a very much a stop gap yeah. process where you know you get to see people for a few times and even the statistic i remember when, um, one of our lectures was talking to us about sort of the use of the ssris which you know would have been um, 20 years ago now and uh, talk therapy and the fact that ultimately, you know, the model was a little bit of talk therapy, get them onto SSRIs, and then seeing the evidence for the fact that SSRIs on their own and talk, talk therapy is the thing that works the best, the most. SSRIs can help initially with depression. Um, but they, that wasn't the, the system, the resources in the system were there to, to, mm. to do it properly. And I'm like, well, let's do a job where you're like, you know, you're going down the Titanic with your passengers, you know. Uh, sending them out a revolving door system, hoping you can pull one or two out while you basically feel like you're not really being given the tools to do the job properly. Yeah, you know? and, and and I would tend to agree with that because, you know, I often, my wife's a medic, and mm. we often have this conversation where I would sometimes be critical of the health system, whether it's the HSE or the NHS or, or wherever, mm. 
And my criticism is, is that, that you know, unlike a, a Toyota manufacturing facility where they're constantly improving, yeah. right? Medicine doesn't seem to. Yeah. It seems to be static in the sense of, hey, and the, the, the it's use... Negotiation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How much are we allowed to fail? What, what, what yeah. do we need to apply here to, yeah. to stop, stop the wound? <laughs> yeah. you know? But with, yeah. with psychology and with depression, what is the definition of success, right? Yeah. Is it changing the environment? Yeah. Is it socioeconomic? Is it just giving somebody a pill that mm. keeps the serotonin flowing? Yeah. Or is it something else? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have a problem with the, the, the giving someone a pill model. Now, giving someone a pill is about recreating an imbalance. That imbalance is 99 times out of 100. It is environmentally induced. Um, you do get people with, you know, chemical amounts of you ADHD, or, uh, you know, like manic depression does run its hours. I think an awful lot of that is environmental. It, it is uh, uh, epigenetic. It's this idea of um, it carries down through the behavior uh, parent to child and you know it's epigenetic essentially mm. so how do you cure something that's epigenetic uh putting a pill in it might put a dent in some of the issues but ultimately really to heal people you have to get to the root of what the trauma is mm. um and the system we have doesn't do that at all it's not interested in doing that it's kind of it doesn't have the resources this is the big thing like uh, the advent of AI you can free people uh up you know, away from those things to actually go into roles where we look after and care about other human beings. Mm. It's about the, the connections between human beings because that's really all that matters. Connection, you know, connection. That's everything. Yeah. Uh, when you die, I don't think you're, you're worried about how much money you have in your bank. Yeah. You're, you're actually the things that really matter are all the things that you probably gave up to get that money. That you, did, that you didn't do exactly. on your journey. And all the things that matter. And we, it's very easy to get caught up in all these things. We all do. We're all guilty of it. But ultimately, that's really, I think, the only thing yeah. that matters. And I think that, you know, the idea of having a, a society that trains people to be, I may call it pointlessly creative, literally just to go off and create, make and do things um, uh, and find their own purpose outside of like, what value am I to this corporation? What are my skill sets? Yeah. Um, which is kind of reductivist. It's really kind of, it's like, it is kind of feudalistic. It's capitalist feudalism. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, the idea that, you know, if we can, if we, if, if we can make enough wealth, and I already think we do, uh, that we can actually start to put money into things that um, that allow people to live meaningful lives outside of work. Because I don't think you worry about work on your deathbed. No, I don't. I don't think you. Oh, I didn't work hard enough. Unless you work your job. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I chose something I was interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Which I think is definitely an important thing for um, ADHD people is like find out what makes you happy and what you're interested in. Uh, because guess what? You're going to have an appetite for it. The most normal people won't because you're getting something. That you lack from it that they already had. That's the one. And there's a, a guy, um, he's Ed Hallowell, mm. or Ned Hallowell. He's a, a big ADHD guy mm. himself. And he talks about exactly that. He calls it unwrapping the gift. Mm. If you can find the thing that you're interested in that really gives you that buzz, mm. then go do that. Yeah. Right. And I think. If anything is taught in a school environment or an education environment or a parental environment, somebody really does have ADHD, then I think then to encourage that part and, and finding that direction of what somebody really loves and let them go and do that. And, you know, if you, if you go to the European ADHD Society Association based in Brussels, mm -hmm. they talk about all the statistics around people with ADHD are five times more likely to commit suicide. They're, you know, five times more likely to end up in jail because yeah. of criminal activity. Impulsive yeah. Behavior. Impulsive <laughs> behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Or do I? 
board is going, James, James, come on, let's go and let's go and rob a bank, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Dopamine high, here we go. But if you do this, you can encourage somebody to go, I really love doing that. You know, let them go and do that. I mean, do you ever look back on any of a lot of your, should we say, your dopamine, your, your, your thrill-seeking behaviours um, and revisit them and go, oh, it's that, really, that was, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, we can be great fun to be around. We're like, when we're hyped up on dopamine, yeah. we'll lead the charge into fun. Yes, you know, the best the, times yeah, totally. ever. Yeah. Which yeah. is infectious, but then I yeah. find that when my battery, I, I people go, oh, you're really, really extroverted. I'm, I'm, I am sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I then get these kind of enormous power cuts when I literally just like love time of my own away. Laying on the sofa. Yeah, thank you very much. Don't leave me alone. I'm being interrupted. Yeah, I kind of need both of those things. And everyone's like, oh, you're extrovert, you're introvert. And I think it's complicated. I think it's a lot more complicated. It's very complicated. You know. Talking about battery, right? And and that's something I want to get to because the we've got something on the fridge over in the kitchen. It's the it's the classic iceberg of ADHD. <laughs> so above the surface is the extrovert, yeah. the, the the high, you know, the high charge. Come on, let's go do this thing. The visible, the visible, yeah. one. and then everything that's underneath that. Yeah. The laying on the sofa, the not wanting to talk. The da, 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 da. I, I, when I explain my ADHD to others, and they say, "When do you medicate?" Yeah. And I say, "I." I'll show you the TARDIS I mm. built during lockdown. Full-size <laughs> TARDIS in the garden. Yeah, I love it. I don't know if tomorrow is going to be a below-the-water day or an above-the-water day. Yeah, no, it is hard because uh, your job sometimes demands it has to be above-the-water day. It yeah. has to be like you can't just go online and count. Like you know, people are waiting on you. You have deadlines. You have commitments. And that terrifies me sometimes. That actually one of the things that puts me on the couch. The stressor is, is it's a stressful. Like, yeah, where am I gonna, where am I gonna pull the resources for the men? You know, because I need to care. I mean, if I don't care, I mean, when I lose interest, it's it's dangerous. Yeah, like yeah, it is yeah. a case of like not for to, but it's not like a whim thing. It's like there's something in my brain that just goes, oh, "I'm done with that." <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, and that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. I mean. So you kind of have to find ways around, you know, not being a six-year-old. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. You do. You have to. Um, but you also have technology. It's how you feel. And I think it's really important, you know, when you can talk to people about it because they can laugh about it. And I think we do a lot of dumping, info dumping, emotional dumping. Yeah. We kind of like erupt. And I think a lot of people who are neurotypical take this as a very literal thing. Like I get, I go on these hilarious rants. Well, they're not hilarious to everybody. Where I will take a pet peeve or something happens and I will I will eviscerate it. I will turn it into a comedic masterpiece about why, you know, this is the end of humanity and this is perfect symptomology and total catastrophization. Exactly. If people go, catastrophization, this is horrible. Oh my god. I'm like, no, I'm kind of kidding. What I'm doing is I'm riding the wave of a negative emotion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing it into yeah. I suppose a creative outburst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then dumping all my emotions yeah. into it. Yeah. And yeah. then when I'm done, I'm like, yeah, I, I can't. You still, you still want to murder everyone in the world? I'm like, and not now, no, not, not now. <laughs> no, so I like finger off the button. I just, I just needed to think about it for a bit and have a laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and for people who don't get that, that can be a bit much. And I'm like, actually, you know, like, I'm very careful that I rarely, very rarely uh, get angry directly at people because I know they're just keep writing. 
people being angry at you can be. Yes, yes. Um, but I can be angry at things and people will be bystanders. And, uh, oh, so it's, it's a vicarious kind of... Yeah, so I, I, I really appreciate the, people, the company yeah. of people who can kind of let me go on my rents, knowing full well, laugh, yeah, and then go, okay, that's just Alan kind of having an emotional purge. Yeah, and yeah. The moment it's purged, it's gone. It's like I can I can let go of all that shit that was bothering me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that's like it's it's a create. I've turned it into a creative process that people, some people think, as hilarious, and other people go, "You scare me." Yeah. <laughs> I have a. It's very interesting. I have a group of friends. We do that mm. exactly what you just described. We all have ADHD, and we have T-shirts. We go to whiskey festivals all over the world a couple of times a year. We have a T-shirt. You know the Friends font. Yes. But ours is cunt. <laughs> Shirty. <laughs> but we have this WhatsApp group, and we're, and we have this WhatsApp group yeah. now, and we we kind of write rant time. Mm. Yeah, on the phone. Yeah, the two are in America, one's over in Poland, yeah. one's in the UK, and myself here. And <laughs> cheers, lads. Off we go. And that's how I deal with it. Yeah. That group of people is my talking therapy. Because that where you don't get any judgment. Yeah, we're kind of. Because our brains don't think ourselves like our brains have a tendency, like for every regular person, solitary, logical thought follow through. I'm constantly interrupted, yeah, by myself. Yes, like I have yeah. layers upon layers of, uh, and it's quite funny because sometimes I'll, I'll just come out with something or something out that has seems to have no context because <laughs> I've been having a conversation with myself in my in my head, and my wife's going, "Oh wait, hold on, oh I know what you're talking about now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you didn't say that to me before. No, yes, I did. It was here. I did have that conversation. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the one. Absolutely. Yeah. Did, did you say so? Executive control, emotion, mm. right? Do, do, do you are you able to control that, or does it firework up and disappear? It fireworks up every now and then, um, and I'm like I'm very. Most people would be surprised. With, you know, if they watch this saying that's not Alan, but it does, it does happen. Yeah, it's only with the ones I'm most comfortable with, yeah. um, who for the most part get it. You know, they, they it's almost like I, I have a, an upswell of emotions, and my best way of rationally processing them is just go, blah. it's like trying to scream into the void. You get it all out there, and yeah. all of a sudden, you're, you're balanced again. It's yeah. like you've yeah. purged it, you've exercised. Yeah, it's a true exercise. When I can't do that, I find uh, I yeah. find it get me. It's it's worse. It's almost like um, it leaded me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But society expects me to to do that to to let it keep it all in and and let it lead me. I can't because it's not good for my mental health. I agree. Yeah. Um, but again, it's everyone has to be able to kind of put it into their own comfort uh, context of being. Are they comfortable with that? And you have to yeah. make sure that you know you're not scaring people or you're not. You know, there are, there, have, there are times I get kind of shitty and, and annoyed. So just, it really is the most menial thing. It's strange. Yeah. It's the it's the little things that'll bug me. Yeah. And I'll be sitting there in my, my subconscious and it'll erupt together. And that's it. I'm like, <laughs> and it's like, it's not really a big deal. And they're right. It isn't a big deal. But right emotionally at the time for me, that, it that, is. And I can't go, all right, well, you know, it's like telling someone to calm down yeah. when, you know, when did that ever work? Being rational, that's yeah. it doesn't matter. You're like, oh, oh man, you just didn't you know yeah. <laughs> calm down like the double down, you mean. <laughs> You're talking about sleep. Yeah. Do you sleep well? Uh, generally? For 
most of my adult and yeah, childhood, uh, I, I didn't. I was last in bed first up. Okay. You know, um, and I, I got by on like four hours a night, no problem. Um, as I got older, I think something hormonally has kind of changed in me where I now really need sleep. I think, I think my, again, wear and tear of the type of brain I have getting older, um, hormonal changes, I now really need sleep. And if I don't get a good night's sleep, particularly because um, to be good at what I do, I feel I have to psychologically, I have to be sharp. If there's any mud in there, it's it's going into the work. It's not really. Yeah, it's not pure. Uh, so I think my best work normally happens when I'm well rested, highly energized, and that therefore it's much much easier for me to maintain focus. Um, so I've now taken to yeah sleeping in more, which is great. I guess I said really after the birth of my first son, I went from I think just it just the tiredness broke me, mm. <laughs> and I started to need sleep. Far more, and I really see the value of sleep um, mm. with my. Even though I'm not great, I still have that giddy evening itch at late at night, where everyone's like, "It's time to get." It's not finished yet. I'm not done with the day. <laughs> I haven't got enough done, or I've missed something, or the, the, that kind of excitable thrum of of an ADHD brain. And it, yeah, I, I, I may, um, most nights I, I I pass out. I just now pass out strategically earlier. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I find it very hard to go. But um, I noticed it in my son, for example, where uh, the idea of having to go to sleep, I'd have a fear of not being able to sleep. And that would keep me awake. Right. It's a little feedback loop in my brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah the more yeah. I think about it, the more it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of my own creation. You're manifesting everything. Yeah, so I'm trying to manifest destiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, that's where I'm going to be. Tired of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything is possible. Because I find myself, actually, like you, mm. for years, it was four or five hours sleep. Mm. Late to late night owl, mm. just oh. up, 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 and then up super early as yeah. well. Now I'm a habit of 5 a.m., mm. and I find that 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. is the best time. Yeah, it's just the best. Time. I like the night time because it is also quiet. Night. It is it's, it's this idea of like, I think we need time for ourselves. I think we spend an awful lot of time in a, in a relationship with our own brain. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and it's good to kind of iron out stuff. I think you know, we we. we we create a lot of knots that we have to unknot. So we do need that time to decompress. You know, we're not all um, constantly needing to be around people all the time because we can be, and I know, I mean, I'm not lacking in some words, we can be overwhelming for some people. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, hold on. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not sorry. No, not so, not so yeah. many. But like for people, yeah, but initially I was very kind of a, you know, like, yeah. I, I was very, again, it's the re rejection sensitive dysphoria elements of it all. Is it's you have the time to think about the worst case scenario and repeat every situation. Trust me, you will. And once you kind of let it onto that, mm. then every single social interaction becomes so multi-layered. Um, when no one can see what's going on inside you, which you feel deeply uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, and this is why self-medication is like a great way of like, oh, well, I can, yeah, I can take something that that makes all that kind of neurotic crap go away. Drinking alcohol mm. puts everybody on an even keel. Taking drugs puts everybody yeah. on the same frequency, mm. and it kind of allows you to feel part of. Mm. And I think taking Ritalin allows you to change your own frequency oh. at the same time oh. as well. Oh, There's yeah. definitely a benefit to the psychosocial yeah. aspect of it, right? Oh, there is. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, you know, we all know about the health problems that that come from it too. Again, you know, it's, it's not really sustainable. Thing. I mean, like speaking of medication, I, I now have a strategy for using medication. Initially, I was worried about it. I felt like the, should we say, the, the, the lightning kind of 
Yeah, well, those balls with the you, you, you have, oh, the Yeah, I feel like my brain's like that. It's like it, it was, it was a, particularly when I'm in a creative stage. Um, I was really worried that 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 is essentially my ADHD is this unstable electrical cloud in, in a in a bowl where I'd imagine yeah. a neurotypical brain is more like it's it's more it's fluid. It's fluid. It's, yeah. it's, it's sensible. It kind of yeah, it's yeah. less erratic and fragmented and distracted. Yeah. Um, I find it. Um, yeah, my medication strategy was like it would it would calm that cloud right down to be almost feel like it's neurotypical. Like, uh, uh, quietness, um, I would feel. So I know uh, for my creation, what I was worried about is is the cloud. What I'm the reason I'm good at what I am. So I was very resistant to uh, experimenting with medication would work because, of course, you know um, I don't want to break. It warps creativity a little bit. Well, it does. It, 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 it does, does, does change it? things. And for me, I notice the side effects of it are I become emotionally much more flat to the point where actually initially I was a little bit kind of like, whoa, am I supposed to not feel? I feel almost nothing. You know, you don't want to feel uh, 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 automaton-like. No. And I did notice um, with Conservative uh, Conservative Hotel, I felt that Where's the emotionality here? And I feel like emotions are one of the reasons I kind of, uh, it's this resource I tap into when I'm writing. Um, so I resisted it for ages, but I started to then use my medication for all the stuff I hate, which is great. Because what it does, it kind of, it lifts my, whatever obstacles my brain would create for me in doing a job that I don't like, like, uh, you know, tax returns, paperwork, bureaucracy, whelming the lawn. All of these things I find agonizingly tedious. And actually, when I get to do them, they're never as horrible as, as they are. I, I make it horrible to start them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I find, yeah, I can get them to do it. I can get an enormous amount of stuff done in the way that I'd be, the stuff that I'm good at when I'm on the mess. I, I, that resistance that I create for myself, I can I get off the couch or just get up and start the thing, yeah. you know, which I think is really the crux of ADHD. Yeah. I think so too. I've got exactly the same strategy. Mm. So wh where I am is if you, my ADHD is an IQ line. Mm. So when I'm having a good ADHD day, my IQ is about 140-ish, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When I'm having a bad bad ADHD day, it's about 40. And I'm not kidding. No, no I, I, I would agree with you. I, I, I can't even read a sentence. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've been there. Yeah. The eyes are, your eyes are moving across the page. And nothing's happening. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. And it's like, it's it's... When you're at your most distractible, is when you're at your most useless. Yes. Where, yeah, I mean, you, you, it's like a feedback loop of, of like, I'm trying to get, and that can be really yeah. frustrating. That's frustrating for other people. It's that's frustrating for us. Internally. Yeah. Because again, you can, do, the thing is, that level of frustration can lead to serious kind of depletion of your sort of self worth. It is. That's it. So on a 40 day mm. here, if I take meds, it brings me to here. Mm. But on a when I'm here on those days, if I take meds, it brings me down to. I agree. I agree. That's, that's a really wonderful observation, which is why I think I'm I am resistant to take it when I'm. There's nothing better for my creative process than a good night's sleep, a healthy diet, and a bit of exercise. Um, that's when I'm like that, and I find that uh, I can handle the busyness of my mind in a much more manageable way. But if I am sort of tired, exhausted, depleted in any way. The symptoms become worse, and I get more and more frustrated, and you feel like you feel like yeah, useless. Mm. You know, uh, you feel unproductive, even if you are attempting to be productive. Mm. You know, you can work as hard as you like, but on those days, you're literally probably going to make more mess for yourself 
then you are, you know, so I think it's really important to kind of build in a little bit of compassion, yeah, into yeah. it. But you're right, I don't, I, I find I don't need an IQ of 140 to do all those shitty jobs I hate. No, I don't, I just need to, you know, to motivate myself, motivate myself to do it. <laughs> um, whereas I find that if it, the to say the quickness uh, of my brain is this, that even when I'm talking and thinking, this I constantly have what I'm talking like intrusive ideas and thoughts that yeah. fits my head. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, well, that's great for creativity because creativity is like throwing you I mean, we are we are naturally, I think, you know, more inclined, yeah, you know, to 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 be creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, you know, there are drawbacks. <laughs> Tell me now. Talking of nutrition for mm. a second, right? We all. I'm probably the worst offender at this, and I'll oscillate between, you know, hey, listen, you eat all this good food, it's all... I'll do for your seven dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'll I'll deliberately go and hijack that and go... Oh, yeah, I, I'm the same. Let's have some shit. Yeah, I'm the same. If I've been really good for a while, yeah. like, there's like, oh, there's the self-struck button. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. It's like going back to the, the thing we were talking about earlier about sort of getting your routine done and every now and then needing to get on a plane, yeah. uh, do plane trains and automobiles for the day. For a bit of variety, it's that same kind of um, but like you can do something that that's healthy actually, yeah. not for the environment, whatever. No, this never tubes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like it's much healthier yeah. than say going on a you know a big old bender, you know, for a few days, which yeah, um, yeah you'd be picking yourself out of the bin for weeks afterwards. Just just on the nutrition side of things, I don't know of any evidence that there's any particular types of healthy foods mm. that that help with. Balancing the brain for ADHD. I find straight supplements. Like what? Lion's mane. Okay. Lion's mane is incredible. Um, Lots of B vitamins. Um, Basically, uh, you don't need to have the most perfect diet. A lot of people like, oh, I find the time. Again, we're variety junkies. (laughs) And we're also, there is a big uh, cover of morbidity between uh, lots of people with ADHD kind of binging dangerously. I guess it don't need to that. And for me, that wasn't. So much, but um, yeah, it, it, the supplements. I think you know, to aim for perfection, you're going to fail. Find a healthy balance, and then have your few days where you allow yourself your, mm. you know, everything in moderation, including mm. moderation. Uh, but I find that lion's mane is excellent. Um, Do you ever try space goods? Have I, I haven't seen it. It's it's. I think it's on everyone's uh, timeline. I've got it. And is it good? Brilliant. Yeah, because I was thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. It looks a bit yucky. You know, yeah. it, I've I've had I've had. Sample some of the powders, like not that one. Yeah. And I always find that they kind of like you drink them, and it's, yeah. it's not as good as coffee. And it's probably better for you than coffee. But just stick it in your coffee in the morning. Yeah. That's what I do. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm just, just, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a bash. Yeah. It's like I, I already take mushroom supplements, and most of them are supplements that have cereal. Yeah. And I find, which I haven't taken this morning, <laughs> just reminding myself, I do find literally about 15 20 minutes after taking good lion's mane, I have a real clarity. And a sharpness. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, without it kind of like, you know, there's something about that, isn't there? Yeah. By the way, folks, we don't do pay promotions on this podcast. No, we should, though. So we should. <laughs> yeah, we need the numbers first. <laughs> but you know, you're right around the lines, mate. Again, there's no distinct evidence about yeah. that. And not everyone, apparently, again, you know, yeah. not everyone. Uh, something I've been reading because every time I take something, I go down a wormhole, learn as much as possible about it, and then see what regular human beings are saying it, as opposed to advertisers carefully select <laughs> and uh, some people find lion's mane can be too much for them yeah um, and other people find it's wonderful i'm very lucky in the sense that i find it's it's wonderful i find it quite relaxing yeah it's a lovely clear calm focus whereas yeah. i suppose coffee 
happens to me. Coffee works differently for us as well. Yeah, I mean, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's the calmness of the clients. I think you could, we get a cup of coffee where it's other people. Yeah. I mean, I get a bit racy, but I'm racing anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's it. Yeah. So I take written in LA mm. for 25 milligrams of it, which mm. kind of gives me the, and then lunchtime I get the second hit. Yeah. Right? The Concerto XL, what is that? That's one job. Um, all day? All day. Not, it's not all day. I normally take it about 9 a.m. And then I find dread about, well, about 9 and 10, about 5 and 6, it starts to dip off. And then I find that there are side effects. I mean, I find that it's like, you can crash afterwards. I mean, essentially, it's it's uh, it's an infestment, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's uh, a methylphenidate, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it works very much in the same way that an investment would, but it's obviously been patented by a drugs company. <laughs> and it does, it does obviously works better than I'd imagine something like regular speed would. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I find that I, I do crash afterwards. I find that I can get a little bit irritable. My energy levels drop. It's kind of, and that's not pleasant, which is why I don't want to make it part of my everyday routine. And I'm lucky enough that I don't have to. I mean, I've read about case studies online for people who absolutely, like, they're not functioning as human beings without it and need it every day. So I'm very lucky that I am, we say, um, oh, I don't like the language, but I'm, I am high-functioning. Mm. You know? No, I like that language. Yeah. I'm high-functioning yeah. as well. Yeah. Right? Some mean, people find it kind of, oh, it's my feelings. I'm like, well, get used to it. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I am high-functioning. <laughs> I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm, I've just been sort of explaining you. It's a little shortcoming. But, I mean, this is the tip of the, the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, real good stuff. I'm never going But the funny thing about the, the, the post- mm end-of-day crash mm. that you talk about. And I've considered this a lot because, you know, the ritual that I have is designed for me going to work. Mm. But the time I really value is family time. Exactly. exactly. You know? People have a dilemma. Yeah. You know, do I do I save the best of myself, for, you know, for my corporate slave masters? <laughs> if you want to, yeah, absolutely. But really, wouldn't you rather feel like you were, I suppose, the... The, I don't even say the, the medicated version of yourself is not the best version of yourself. Maybe the most accessible, human friendly, interfaced version of yourself. I think so. Uh, when you are present for your kids and you're not distracted. Um, and I find that, yeah, there is a trade off. These things, you know, they say you can't take them seven days a week. I wouldn't want to. No. But I know that there are people that I've read online, they don't feel like those two days off them there. So I feel very lucky. I don't, I mean, this is about sort of this, the pod, this podcast is about the, the benefits and the strengths of what being different uh, you know, can manifest themselves out and hopefully it'll help people kind of reframe how they see yeah. their yeah. own um, I think I don't like the word disorder, but their own your own uniqueness, your own, yeah. you know their own difference. Yeah, I, I think this is a gen- genuine genetic built in, you know, there's a reason we're here. And I think that maybe the reason we're here isn't as obvious as it used to be because society's been built more around the neurotypical than it has about the neurodivergent. I mean like if you look at people like uh, Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton was clearly aspergic. There was no one. Um, uh, so there's, there's, there's brilliantly, brilliant neurotypic, neurodiverse people have always been part of our culture. I mean, I, someone told me a really interesting story about how we were the um, the fire keepers, basically, with late at night back instead of, should we say, the caveman days, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, where we'd have predators outside. We would be the ones tending the fire late at night. Yes. Uh, uh, so I very little sleep and would be great hunters, essentially, because we become very focused and we're interest-led. And therefore, you know, having people like us in a in a sort of a collaborative uh, society where everyone relies on each other, um, it's great. But when you start to isolate people outside 
their function, you know, we, we can sometimes struggle to fit into a world that isn't necessarily designed for us. I think so too, but I think, I, I also think people with ADHD and other neurodiverse, mm. you know, areas have been responsible for human society mm. moving forward. Well, I think, yeah, if you look at the expertise, uh, I'd say, uh, ASD, autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, AUHD, all of these things lean into a certain level of, uh, like a wormholing, obsessive expertise. Yeah. Um, that normal people just go, well, that's just nuts. But yeah. it's, it's crazy people that change the world. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's people who go beyond. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that in some ways we, well, you get to see a lot of us end up in the other, the wrong side of the system, uh, but also a lot of us end up on the right side of the system. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But having a conversation about all of this is really healthy for people to go, well, actually, yeah, you know, we have to, we have to adapt. I'm not different. Yeah. I'm not alone. No. There are other people out there who are high functioning, like me, who can do good things. And that's an example. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and rather than make you feel like, oh, you've just gotten a, a diagnosis, which means that you've had time for the rest of your life. It's exactly. Really, yeah. It's a bad way of framing it. It is a huge it's thing. Going, yeah. You're different. Here's how things could work for you. And here's some skills you might need um, in order to, to navigate the world that necessarily isn't kind of absolutely designed for you to thrive in but you can thrive i think yeah. so too i mean look you know you, you know that if you take elon musk and he wants to colonize mars as mm. an example mm. he's asperger's mm. no, and, definitely. I mean, and, the monotone yeah in the voice is a giveaway it's a whole yeah. giveaway right yeah. if you think of when christopher columbus went across the atlantic ocean and the number of neurotypicals at the time who probably said mm. oh geez listen lads you're gonna fall off the edge of the earth mm. right and he was doing it anyway mm. right if he didn't have ADHD or something else, yeah. I don't know who did, yeah. right? You know, I, I do think, yeah, we're, we're outliers, and outliers always make are more likely to do something. I think to yeah. push yeah. a boundary or question. It's we, we're not because we have a yeah we have another lens in the world. Yeah, but actually knowing you have another lens in the world is the beginning of actually understanding what what it is, rather than being uh, as frequently happens. I think with a lot of people who make diagnosis they go through a period of like frustration and grief grief like why didn't they know earlier everything could have been easier yes all of those things are true but like so what you know now mm. and I, I i like me for one i have much more self-compassion i can go back to embarrassing frustrating you know disastrous failures in my life that i can definitely attribute my my brain and, and my my neurodivergence to, to playing a role in like um, like depression and things like that, which I um, managed to overcome and actually really overcome quite spectacularly. Yeah, you know, um, uh, and yeah, I've gone from strength to strength because I, the more I understand my mind, the more I think the more respectful and kinder to myself, and I can I can put in new strategies to save myself from myself. And every human being, neurodivergent or otherwise, has to save themselves. On themselves, we can be the best version of ourselves, or we can be the worst version of ourselves. Yeah, that's interesting. Are you talk, just switching the subject matter mm. slightly to social stigma? Mm. I, for the last, I, I'm 54 now. I was diagnosed at 43, so 11 years ago. Yeah. And when I was diagnosed, I was kind of like, oh, you know, shouldn't talk to anybody about that. Mm. Now, in the last five oh, years, rapidly changed. Everybody, yeah. I, I, hey, I'm George. I'm <laughs> I reckon look at me. people that don't have us getting on board. It's like, oh, I'm tired too. <laughs> this is the funny thing about ADHD. A lot of the symptoms of ADHD are 
what, what your typical person feels when they're tired, so they all go, you're all liars. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, got, it's got a new victim card here. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah it doesn't um, exist. It's not real. Exactly. I mean, you know, obviously it's important to get your diagnosis. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, I deliberately, um, I mean, it wasn't cool when I found out either. I mean, again, a lot of people I would have discussed it with would have, again, had that picture of this disruptive little boy in a classroom um, you know, uh, who has to be medicated? And yeah. he's just, just, just ruining for everyone else. Yeah, and that would have been most people's kind of. I think your job is essentially just to go. Well, uh, if you know me, I'm going to tell you I have ADHD, uh, and then you'll go. Oh, how's that? And you know, whereas I, I would still be reluctant to just blurt it out to anybody, not because of stigma, just because it's not their business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not their business. But again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, if you ask me. Yeah, I'll go yeah, absolutely. I do. And so you're, you're, you're very open about it. Yeah, I'm very yeah. open about it. I mean, yeah. like, um, you, I think you know, I've got a T-shirt. It's like ADHD, ADHD, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and, and I'll wear it uh, publicly. I don't. I, it's not really the stigma of it. Ultimately, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's uh, I, I think it's just again, it's like uh, Rain Man. What Rain Man did for autism spectrum disorder, it it yeah, great great movie. But it kind of I think people couldn't see any other kind of autism yeah. as a result of it. Yeah. So I think it's you have to see that actually you, we all know incredible amounts of uh, people who have uh, neurodiversity. I mean, I've, what's alarmed me is since since my diagnosis, I've been met my friends who I've um, that the Andrew lit the candle. <laughs> I'm just passing it on like I think you have ADHD, and they've gone off and they've got their diagnosis yeah. and they go. Yeah, you're right. And it's actually explained a lot of the things that they've struggled with in their lives. And I think they've been able to get a handle on it and actually have a bit more self-compassion rather than be frustrated with themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, or go, well, why can't I just yeah. do why can't I just be normal? I'd agree with that yeah. very much. It's it's fascinating. When I look at the UK and I look at Ireland and I look at um, the US, and I'm not the greatest fan of the US society, mm. but I have to say they're much more further, more advanced in terms of the social stigma being gone. Yeah, as far as neuro. Oh, but they're now riding the wave of uh, everything different is great. Diversity is wonderful, and yeah. it's, that, that's great. That is, yeah. it is a very positive yeah. uh, thing. But again, I don't want my ADHD to be, to be my defining trait. It is like it's, no. it's in my wiring. Yeah, it's part it's, of me. It's, 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 yeah, it's part of me, but yeah. it's not me. Yeah. And the danger, I think, with the diagnosis is that people can then go, well, that's me, and be paralyzed by it and accept it. It's like, no, you kind of have to work within it. It's a framework which, you, if you hack it, you can thrive, and you actually have advantages. Huge advantages. Hey, you've got disadvantages, too. But everyone's disadvantaged. Yeah. You know, uh, mine are, <laughs> this is the funny, I mean, you look at a lot of my disadvantages, and you go, that's all really stuff that's horrible and boring. Are you sure you're not just really lazy? I'm like, oh, they kind of have the same <laughs> you know, they really do. And like anything boring, yeah. it's oh man, they really struggle. Yeah, it, like abnormally so. Yeah, and not just indulging myself. Yeah. <laughs> I I had a when I moved here to where where we are now, I changed GPs. I went along to see a GP, and GP refused to prescribe me. Yeah. In France, and apparently, there's real controversy over ADHD. Yeah. I don't believe it's a real thing. Yeah, so it's not really seeing you as just lazy. That's within your general direction. Yeah. So yeah. finding a GP here yeah. in Ireland was tough. Oh, yeah. Now there's a, a, a great like, there's someone who got their medical degree like 50 years ago who hasn't been keeping up to modern days. Oh, that's not a real thing. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff boils my piss. Yeah, uh, you yeah. want to see a rat hand rest. <laughs> Because it's so it's 
Yeah, yeah. It's like these people in positions of authority have a duty and an obligation to the care of their patients, and they should be being educated. They spend 70 years of their life, and it's a remarkable amount of time, really, yes. you know, learning. And then, you know, all, all that shit's redundant unless you're constantly keeping up to date and stuff. We go into Doctors Ireland, we used to be the church, the doctors, you know, bank managers. These people were like, Ugh. you, you know, yeah. you never argued with them. They were the oracles. Yeah. And it just shows, I think we really, you know, even with medicine, like you kind of have to, to a certain degree, I think you have to take a certain degree of responsibility for your own well-being and do your homework and realise that not everyone out there has your best interests at heart. And it's about finding the right people. Like there are plenty of terrible doctors who have great passing medical exams with a horrific bedside manner, you know, who are no good as far as I'm concerned. They're, they're damaging. They actually disimprove the, the health of people. There's a statistic, uh, two studies done by, um, two separate institutions in America that found that the third highest cause of death in uh, the United States is is um, is me medical mismanagement. Essentially, people being prescribed the wrong things, the wrong decisions being made uh, for people. Essentially, that's the third biggest. Wow! You know, and I was like, wow, that's incredible. And then they, they the the I think it was the insurance company that had paid for the research to be done took it off this particular university. I think it's one of the um, the uh, the Ivy Leagues and went to another really big i think it was john hopkins and they found the same evidence with, with higher <laughs> with a higher so it was undeniable so ultimately it is a shame saying that yes listen to your doctor but get several opinions <laughs> you know don't take the first one you've got do your own homework um it was very much the approach that i took with regards to my adhd was to you know use my adhd mm. um, as a superpower to go and explore it and just fill my mind with so many different perspectives um, I'm looking at sense that I've uh, in psychology, which is also a scientific degree. So really go through the rigors of what the science says mm. um, and also listen to different people's testimonies. And, you know, I don't have to be like, I'm, I feel very privileged. Like I said, I, I, I've read testimonies from people whose ADHD would break your heart um, because it's it's so debilitating. Mm. And I kind of feel like, well, OK, you know, that I, I'm one of the luckier ones. You know, I'm glad I found out. When I did, I'm not kind of like, oh, I wish I could turn back back and we could all figure it out. All those things that happen to me make me me, and I can't change that. Just in the same way that my ADHD, it's a part of me. So the, the paradoxical question is, and I think you may have already answered it, but if somebody could wave the magic wand and go, "Thou shalt not have ADHD anymore," you're going to be without so it. Would you rather be someone else? So I say that question is, and I say, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. You know, what is I wouldn't. I mean, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have my family. I would be at least another person in another life. And yeah. I think that this is the thing about remorseful thinking and regret. Um, and we all have regrets. We have the right kind of regrets. Regretting, you know, that you're not somebody else is is, is utterly foolishly pointless. It's, it's uh, you know, it's fictional. Where it's you know, regret the things you know, yeah. regret things you did, not <laughs> the things that can't happen or you can't do. You exactly. Know. That's it. Yeah. Alan, listen. Thank yeah. you. Really appreciate that. It was just a great chat. And I think that I just. Wired for winning. Celebrating the extraordinary minds of those with ADHD.